Um, good morning, Edward. How are you? I'm very well, Gareth. How are you? Very good, thank you. Um, unfortunately, um, talking about hair, yours looks um, absolutely in perfection tonight. Well, uh, this morning. hairline's moving up every day, but we're yeah. hanging there, <laughs> uh, Yeah, well, mine is just wet because I just stepped out of the shower, a late shower this morning. But um, uh, we're, we're, we're online today, um, not necessarily for a boxing chat, but maybe I could ask you a couple of questions. But this is a very important issue. Um, uh, in something you've joined in, which is called Miss Out to Help Out. It's a new volunteering initiative from the National Lottery in partnership with ITV. But, you know, it kind of segues into, I think, the, the funding announcements yesterday in which boxing just didn't even get a look in. They ghosted past boxing, which is extraordinary, really. Um, but first of all, let me ask you what you're doing with this volunteering initiative. And it actually involves you not just supporting it, but actively doing something, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, on the first subject um, that you just mentioned, I was asked to get involved in this, this new um, scheme with the National Lottery and miss out to help out. And I kind of felt like it's good, it's good to do something at the moment. You know, I mean, a lot of people are struggling. We know from a business environment, it's a struggle for everyone, but a lot of people are struggling at home mentally and physically. And we're lucky in a way that we're working. You know, I can come in here and I go to do the shows at the weekend. So socially life is very different, but you know, I'm still keeping myself busy and active and, and that's important. So I just felt that it was something that I should, should do and, and get involved with. And then I did it. And I had the greatest time. You know, actually, selfishly, it helped me. You know, it made me feel good. Yeah. And I think that's important as well. We shouldn't, we shouldn't lie to ourselves and say, oh, you're helping the community. You're also helping yourself. Because I went on and did an hour and a half, you know, during the press conference, nipped out and, and somehow fit it in. And if I can do it, many people can do it, because I haven't really got enough, a, a great deal of time. But I, I got involved with this charity called Sporting Memories. Yes. And it's people that are suffering from, you know, depression and, and come sign some kind of sort of physical um, debilitating injuries and, and, and uh, you know, diseases and stuff like that. And it was a group of people. We did a physical workout on Zoom. We did a quiz. We talked about all kinds of topics in sport. There's a lot of older people on there as well as one lady called Frida and I won't forget her because I remember her smile so well she must have been I mean I don't want to get it wrong but definitely somewhere in her 80s she did not stop smiling for an mm. hour and a half you know and I thought about my late granddad who passed away sort of four months ago I thought you know what he didn't know how to use Zoom I could have taught him in the end but that's the kind of thing that he would have really looked forward to you know, they don't have the ability at the moment to meet at clubs and take part in physical activities that they do, but they do help, you know, they, they still get together. They still have something to look forward to. They still have the opportunity to talk and to enjoy themselves. And again, I looked at that and thought, wow, that would, my granddad would have loved something like that. You know, he just, but that older generation, they're a different breed. They're yeah. so much greater than we are or this generation are. What they love to do is they love to talk. They love to discuss. They love to enjoy themselves, have fun. And um, I came off there yesterday after an hour and a half. And, you know, I have to admit, when I got the message from Ross saying, oh, it starts now, 
and I was running around everywhere, I thought, blimey. I almost thought to myself, why did you agree to this? And I did it, and afterwards I thought, that was brilliant. And it was the best thing I did yesterday. You know, I did the press conference, I did, I did deals, I did everything. Hands down, the best thing I did yesterday was, was doing this. And, you know, I think that um, everybody's got time to do it. And, and at the moment, everyone's definitely got time. So, you know, we know that the campaign is about missing out on your favourite uh, TV show to give up that time. But regardless of, of, of the TV show, everyone's got time. You know, an hour to make people smile is one of the best hours you'll ever spend. I think, I think what you're talking about as well is that we all forget, and especially at this time where, you know, you, you, you know we're, like you say, we're, my, myself as well, I'm very busy with work, but um, we're all wired for connection as well. We're wired as human beings for connection. And when you make that connection with people you don't know, or like you say, Frida smiling for an yeah. hour through it, it made a connection with you. It, and and um, telling stories like, you know, that generation loved dancing as well. Yeah. Don't they? They, they love dancing. So when you're all telling stories and stuff, did you tell them any stories, got them going? Because you've got more stories than Roger. Yeah. Well, you know, that you know I mean? when I was younger, and I've never told this actually, this story, but when I was younger, when I went to Brentwood School, when you got to the third year, you had to decide whether you wanted on a Friday to do army yeah. or RAF yeah. or volunteering. Or music? Or music? No, no, just army, RAF, or volunteering. Okay? And I wanted to go in the army, right? After two years in the army, you get the choice to quit, and then you only get a chance to do volunteering, right? So after two years in the army of getting shouted at, I mean, not the official army, but, you know, two yeah, years yeah, in the army, getting shouted at and running across fields and doing it, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to do the volunteering. So every Friday, I went to Squirrel's Old People's Home in Harold Hill. Yeah. And I would go in there, and you were assigned to a specific individual, and you would go in there, you would make them a cup of tea with biscuits, and you would chat to your assigned individual every Friday for two hours. Hmm. My man was a guy called Alf, right? Of course, of course. And... <laughs> When I look back, you know, the, those memories are so much more vivid than the many other memories in my life, mm. you know? And I always remember walking in and he would look up and he would smile and I would sit down and I would say, hello, Alf, how are we doing? You know, and I would talk to him about the war. I would talk to him about West Ham. I would talk, and you know, when you realize that for him, that was something that he looked forward to on a Friday. You know, I was only 15 at the time. But that was something, you've got to give people hope. You've got to give people something to look forward to. You've got to, you know, you've got to keep people's mind going. And, and, and like I said, I remember all those conversations. You know, and when we talk about Frida, I won't forget Frida, you know, for the, probably for the rest of my life. So it's amazing, isn't it? All the people we meet, and you're the same, that you can do a, an hour Zoom and you meet someone, you just think, you know what? People like Frida are great. We need more people like Frida in this world. Yeah. And I just think that we're all involved in this rat race, aren't we? Where, you know, we're trying to put shows on. We're trying to make sure we keep boxing going. But actually, sometimes you, come a little, you become a little bit detached from the community. And 
from reality and understand that you can do so much more. Like, you know, the job that I'm doing with boxing and keeping the sport going, it is important. But to make someone's day like that is really much more important. Yeah, yeah. Um, Going on to the second part of your question, when you talk about detached from reality, you know, would there be anyone that is more detached from reality than Oliver Dowden and, and is it Huddlestone? Uh, the, you know, the, the minister. The, the ministers, yeah, for culture, media, and sport. Yeah. To uh, completely disregard boxing and the role that it does within the community to put sizable funding into, you know, other great sports, but rugby union, 120 million, um, horse racing. 40 million motor racing six million i mean these people are so far removed from society Mm. and the inner city communities you know and we are as well you and me but because we work in the sport because we've seen it we We know know. right so eddie to give you an example I did a piece with James Cook the other day. Yeah, mm. that he oh, runs well, the Pedro Club. Well, I'll just give you the right. I did a piece with him in the Telegraph. If anyone watching this doesn't know James Cook, MBE, uh, brilliant kind of middleweight, super middleweight. James is 61, I think he is, 60, 61. Brilliant man, uh, deeply Jamaican British, um, soul of a community in Hackney that used to be called Murder Mile, where you could buy guns and crack 20 years ago. Like, step outside your front door and just buy it. There were murders everywhere at the time. James has changed, I want to say thousands of lives, because the ripple effect he probably has. But that's a man who gets up in the morning and he gives sessions to kids for nothing in the Pedro Club. They've been closed down. I spoke to him just for the second lockdown, all right? And he said, I'm so worried about, I'm going to be walking up and down the road around here trying to get them to do a run, distanced, bringing books with me, getting them to read a book. And this is just the youngsters. And he said, after the first lockdown, I took two sessions a week with 70 and 80 year olds as well, Mm -hmm. because they're worried about going back to the gym that they were going to before. So we do it outside, socially distanced. These are the kind of clubs, and they get donations of 1,200 quid to fix the toilets or something. They got no flaming funding, you know, and and it's... such a community resource. It's the kind of place where Oliver Dowden should be going to visit to see and what's if, going if they, on. If they That's just one example of hundreds around the country. Thousands. Where, thousands, exactly. And, and if they went to visit, they yeah. may understand. Exactly. It's like boxing. It's almost like, you know, they don't, you, you talk about knife crime. You talk about, you know, young kids. You talk about obesity. You talk yeah. about mental health. You, these are all the things that can help change the numbers. You know, you've only got, you know, you've, you've done millions of interviews. Every fighter says boxing either changed or saved my life. And all those around them, it has an effect on. Yeah. That's the point that, you know, and, and it's, this, this is the good end. We're in the business end of boxing most of the time. That's the end of boxing that, that where they come from and that changes society. Do you know what I mean? It's not even, people think that it's about, you know, inspiring the next generation of great fighters. It's not. You know, that's not the role that boxing plays in the community. Listen, if we can unearth a great fighter from a local amateur club, fantastic. Mm. But it's not about that. It's actually about 
discipline, it's about respect, it's about mental and physical health, and it's about making sure that you get the kids off the streets. You only we talk about Oliver Dowden. If you go into a club and you actually look at the kind of people that are in there, you know straight away they're all tearaways. Yeah. You know, they're all kids from from off the street. I was at a boxing club for three years. I was just a posh kid. They're all com no, they're all if they weren't in there, they'd be hanging on street corners, they'd be selling drugs, they'd be up to no good at school. Kids don't get into trouble that go to boxing clubs. Yeah. Very, 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 very few. And they stop carrying knives as well. They That's the, because oh. they don't feel that lack of confidence physically as well. So you know, the people that are the coaches, the people that are all volunteering. They're all doing it for nothing. And when they can't do it anymore, the club closes down. And all these clubs are generally funded by local businesses or someone from the community that's done well, that's made a few quid. Yeah. But now that all stops because we're about to hit a global recession. So the, the local business that used to give a club five grand a year to put a banner up in the clubs turns around and says, guys, I'm really sorry, I can't do it anymore. And, and you know, last night I had uh, Savannah Marshall her old club in, in Darlington, oh, sorry, Hartlepool, yeah. yeah, Hartlepool, their floor's rotten. And they just can't, they, they can't bring anyone else in. So they needed three grand for a new floor. So we donated, we posted it. Within an hour, they got it. You know why? Because people who follow the sport understand how important these clubs are. There's very few sports that would be able to put a post out like that. And next thing, they've, got, they've hit their target in an hour. Because people understand. The people that know, they get it. And they understand how important these clubs are. The people that don't know go, oh, boxing. Oh, young kids boxing in a queue all full of ruffians. Oh, Jesus, we'll swerve that one. No, these are exactly the people that you need to be helping and saving. Not, you know, when you look at the, the disbursement of the funds to, to rugby clubs. It's going to rugby clubs. I mean, professional clubs, professional businesses. And I'm not saying they don't need help. But who needs more help at the moment? Business like, like that or the actual kids in the community? Yeah. So, and it, by the way, Gav, we're not asking for 120 million. We're not asking for 40 million. I mean, even if they gave the same money that they gave to motor racing, six million. And some, someone tweeted me earlier and said, oh, you know, I don't think that in a sport where the top guys are making so much money, should the government really be helping, you know, the community clubs and, and shouldn't the money be filled? I said, they've just given motor racing six million, mm. right? How can you give motor racing? I, I love motor racing, I mean, it's great. And not a community boxing club that's keeping yeah. kids off the street, solving obesity, solving mental health, you know, teaching and infiltrating discipline and respect to change people's lives, it's madness. No, I agree. And, and, and it, it, unfortunately, I think it's a blight on our sport, given that it, it's, it's probably not seen the way it should be seen. And, and I think, I, I mean, I praise your words. I mean, I will do my utmost as well um, and have done in the past in The Telegraph to try and get these things across and, and on radio, wherever. Because, you know, um, like you said, it's not the reason why we identify with these people as well is that in all of us, there's a bit of a tear away when we were younger. There's, it's been in all of us. And we understand that there's a certain number of years when you're a certain age where you can just change the direction of your life, you know? 
and particularly for people in the everybody needs direction everybody needs motivation every but there's difference between you and me yeah and kids who have nothing they have no choice no choice they have nothing to motivate themselves they have no direction they have no goal they have nobody who's being that mentor to them to put an arm around them to say son it's all right come in here be part of this community you know and that you know repton look at repton i mean repton although that is an elite level club look at the kids that are in repton they're in bethnal green they're out hackney some of them they have nothing yeah and boxing has given them something it's given them hope you know and these clubs are going to close down they're going to they're going to become extinct because they couldn't survive when things were good. They're not yeah. going to survive in, coming through a pandemic where people can no longer support them. Yeah. And, you know, w- listen, we've been asking for support for the, from the government for years and years, right? And they, they've said no. Now, when there is an opportunity and the government are giving out money, like penny sweets, to so many different schemes... Eddie, you were just saying that at a time when they are giving out funding. Yeah, like penny sweets to so many different businesses and sectors and industries. Now's our chance. But, you know, it's not a chance for the clubs to, you know, grow. It's a chance for the clubs to survive. You know, like I said, going back to the club in Darlington, we've got to close down because our floor's not safe. In Hartlepool, yeah, in Hartlepool. Yeah. And then, um, you know, bang, people help out. But we can't. Yeah, we're trying to help. We're donating to many different clubs, but it has to come from that level because it's sizable what needs to be done. I remember running a project for The Telegraph uh, several years ago where I was giving away five £1,000 grants every month for amateur sports clubs all over the country. And I think we did it for 12 months and I was just the chair of that, but writing all the pieces around the clubs and, and doing it with a panel and chairing the panel. I think we had, and it wasn't just boxing, but a lot were boxing. We had thousands and thousands and thousands of clubs coming forward saying a thousand pounds would make a huge uh-huh. difference to, to repair the boiler, for example, exactly. well, or the hole in the roof. I mean, that, that, the only problem you know. is, Gareth, it is, a, it is just papering over the cracks. Yeah, that, it is. That's yeah. all they're ever doing. They're always having to do that. You know, I remember uh, we made a donation to Golden Gloves in Liverpool. And it was like, look, if you could, I think it was £5,000. Mm. And they said, yeah, this would just help us out. Well, we're... And six months later, I saw on social media, oh, we're, you know, we're in financial difficulties. We need, <laughs> you know, because there's no money coming in. No. There's huge no. costs associated with running these facilities. So it was, it's always a quick fix. But we'll get through it. And they'll continue, in, they'll continue to make quick fixes. But at the moment... There are very few solutions for a quick fix in this, this environment. What, what do you, you know, having this platform right now, you know, I mean, you do have a massive platform and a huge reach. What do you advocate that all of us in boxing should try to do to get the message across? I mean, you supported the Telegraph. Yeah, the only um, way you do it is yeah. to put pressure, put the pressure on and to make, make yourselves and make the people heard. I mean, you know, I almost need to go, and I don't have anywhere near the same kind of profile, but you almost have to go full Marcus Rashford on this. 
And and what Marcus did, which is just incredible, yeah, is he got the support of the country, he got the support of the people, and he put enough pressure on. They didn't want it. They didn't want to support that scheme. You know, they they tried to avoid it, didn't they? In in Parliament, and in the end, the pressure Off was a quarter good. of a billion dollars, yeah. a quarter of a billion pounds, yeah. Oh. yeah. And, and in the end, and we're not. I mean, you know, again, I want to put a number on it, but ten million pounds. Yeah. It's they're, like I say, not throwing away money, but at the moment, it's funding here, funding here, rescue package here, the arts, this, and nothing for boxing. And it's only because they don't understand. Yeah. You know, it's only because they don't see it with their own eyes. Process of education, then, for those people about, about the. You can't be educated on everything, but you've mm. got to listen. I'm not looking to go onto social media and just scream and shout and holler. But let's have a sensible conversation. Just please understand the role that grassroots boxing plays in the community. That's all we're asking. And I believe if you understand it, you will help. Um, that's the serious business of today, um, kind of discussed. And, and I'm very happy to talk about it with you because very often we're not on these kind of subjects. And it's great to see that how much they matter to you, certainly do to me. And, um, and you know, I laud you for your involvement in them. Um, um, on, on, in terms of um, tomorrow night, Conor Ben headlining, it sounds really trite to go on to the boxing now after yeah, talking yeah. about those things, but um, the kid's carried it well this week, hasn't he? Um, yes, I mean, you saw a little breakdown from him on the Sky interview. I don't know if you saw that, you know, talking about missing his family and, you know, he had a tear, which is, you know, it can be concerning because it can also be a sign of the pressure getting to you. I mean... Conor Ben, I'm really proud of Conor Ben because when he came, a lot of people don't know that his family, Nigel and his mum and his sisters, live in, live in Australia. So he left Australia to try and follow his dreams and career in boxing. When he came to us, you know, the only thing I was really interested in was he's Nigel Ben's son, right? It's a bit of a gimmick, mm. it's a great story. Mm. And if he's anything like his old man, what a touch that would be. Yeah. When he first made his debut, and bless him, we put him on, on an AJ show in front of 18,000 at the O2. He walked out. I mean, what he showed was speed and heart, and, but he was a complete novice. Mm. You know, I mean, he'd had a handful of amateur fights in, in a shed in Australia, um, but he was very exciting and he yeah. was very likable. The work that he has put in in the last four years is quite incredible. Mm. You know, someone that, you know, and I know coming from a privileged background, someone who has had a great upbringing, someone who's not struggling financially, someone, you know, to have that drive and that spirit to outwork people that need it so much more than you is special. Doesn't mean you're gonna go on and become a, a, a unified world champion. But if you do have the ability, you know, that kind of work ethic will, will put you in fantastic stead. And my only worry is he's never boxed anywhere near the level of a Sebastian Formella, who's just gone 12 rounds with Sean Porter. You know, we know that Porter won that fight comfortably, but Formella took the kitchen sink, wasn't really hurt, was firing back all the time. But Connor's shown in the gym 
that we believe he's now on the verge of becoming a world-class fighter. But he's never showed it in the ring. So it's the gamble to say, we think, and Tony Sims has made the call, you know, to say, I think he's ready. And if he's ready, this kid's going to be a huge star. I mean, he's so likable. He's so exciting. You know, he's so marketable. And his dad was Nigel Benn. You know, one, one of the, the true sweethearts of British boxing and, and a, a complete warrior and a legend. And the public loved Nigel Benn. And they'll love this kid. If he can be world-class, wow, we've got a superstar in our hands. But Saturday yeah. will tell us everything we need to know. I agree. And, and, and I've spent quite a lot of time around Connor because he's been co-presenting with me on Talk Sport a few times. And, you know, he's brought his wife, his pregnant wife, yeah. Victoria, and they're a lovely couple. I mean, it beggars belief that he's 23, to be honest. Uh-huh. And he's doing up a property and he's about to become a dad. And I've... He's so mature for his age, Gareth. I mean... It's incredible. So it's incredible, really. So he, mature. He lives in the same village as me. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. I, I couldn't believe it because one day I was driving down the road and I saw Connor with his dogs. I mean, the average age in my village is about 90. Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I pulled over. I said, what are you doing? He said, I've bought a place up there. You know, he, I say he should be because he shouldn't be. But most people would be out partying, you know, living that lifestyle. But can I he, say, he's already explained this, Eddie. He said, my dad has taught me, as our fathers do, what to be and what not to be. Mm-hmm. And, he, and you, you know, he's on the video calls with his dad all the time. Nigel's sitting there in the, in the, in the theatre, as they call it, back at home all the time, with the rows of seats where he chills out and watches all his fights. And he's listening to his dad. The other day, we finished Talk Sport at midnight, and he did his 15-mile run with her in the Land Rover next to him along the embankment and home. And then he sent me the map of where he'd run. You know, as I was driving home, he's a brilliant young kid. He only needs to have the ability you're talking about. And I agree with you. He's a nailed down star because he's got, he's a fan pleaser. He's rough and ready, but he's very sweet as well. You know, very genuine. Yeah, very genuine. Um, so, so like you say, big test for him. Very exciting uh, on Saturday night. And, um, obviously you've got the big one coming up. I'm going to ask you about this big one coming up in a couple of weeks time. Anthony Joshua, Kubrat Pulev. You're getting Pulev in early, I hear. He was, he was going to come early, but now he's just coming 10 days before. I think, um, to be honest, I think a lot of people are looking at the cases in the UK and thinking, I'm safer here. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not many cases in Bulgaria at the moment, and he's training out there, and they just decided, you know, at that level, everyone's getting tested, like, virtually every day, you know. And um, he'll be coming in, I believe, on the Thursday of, of uh, the Billy Joe Saunders fight week. Um, I was with AJ in Sheffield on, on Wednesday. Oh, looks fantastic. Looks fantastic. No, I saw him on Monday. I, 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 and he, he, he's, he hasn't got the bobble. He hasn't got the afro. No, no. But he, he looks lean and yeah, very, lean, very young. So well, yeah. Happy, yeah. you know, yeah, enjoying, enjoying boxing. Yeah. I mean, you know, he just, he's, uh, you know, you talk about the, the dedication of Conor Ben. AJ's another one. So yeah. driven to yeah. improve and very talented. I, I think he's going to really do a sensational job on Kubrat Pulev. I, I don't think it's going to be easy. But I think he's going to break him down. And then I'm going to, I think you're going to see the spitefulness return to Anthony Joshua. And um, do you... I mean, weird situation with Tyson Fury. I can believe the numbers didn't work um, to make it happen late at night at the Albert Hall for ESPN and top rank in America as a pay-per-view. I get that. Um, but also, 
I just wonder whether they're waiting out to see what happens with AJ and 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 Kubrat Pulev to, to to kind of ride out this legal case that needs to be kind of sorted out with Deontay Wilder as well. Is that your understanding of those yeah, two? I mean, I think firstly, it's never a good look to say you can't get the money together for a, a, a star to fight. I mean, you know, we've done it time and time again. You know, we've got Canelo fighting Callum Smith. You've got AJ fighting Kubrat Pulev. These guys are getting out. So you've got, it's your job as a promoter to find the solutions to keep your fighters active. That being said, you know, they're talking about Fury fighting in, in March. Well, I hope that's against Anthony Joshua. I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Mm. You know, he's only going to take a warm-up fight. So, don't need a warm-up fight. He boxed in February this year. So, I think, and Bob Aram's already stated, even though Bob Aram thinks Pulev's going to beat AJ, that I think um, we get this fight done, get the win, and then we make the fight immediately. I don't see it's going to take weeks and weeks to make the fight because... Don't forget as well, we've also got the mandatory of Alexander Usyk. So if Tyson Fury starts messing around and wants a warm-up fight in March, we have to fight Usyk and then the fight gets further delayed. So, Oh, may miserum. Oh, may miserum. I hope not. because then no, that I, don't, really I don't believe so because I think there's too much money in the fight not to. So I hope that everyone's genuine to the point where, fingers crossed, if AJ can beat Pulev, then he, you know, we go straight in and we make that fight immediately. I mean, I don't want to do an IFL one-hour special with you yeah. here because I didn't know but one more question <laughs> um obviously um you must be delighted to have got um saw Canelo Alferez and um Callum Mundo yeah. Smith over the line I mean the number one super middleweight again in the world against the number one pound for pound in the world to close off the year doesn't get better than that does it no it was a really tough tough deal to do to be honest with you and we only got it done right at the death um I have to say about Canelo Alvarez you know, he had a whole host of people that he could have fight and approaches from every other broadcaster and promoter. He just wants to fight the best. He wants to fight the champions. You know, last year, uh, he boxed Daniel Jacobs, the IBF middleweight world champion. And then he boxed the WBO light heavyweight champion in Sergei Kovalev. Now he's boxing the WBA ring magazine super middleweight champion yeah. in Callum Smith. It's, a, it's an incredible run and he's a tremendous fighter. For Callum, I'm so pleased. You know, a guy we've represented from his debut gets the chance now, you know, the legacy moment, that when you're at the peak, like he is now, that's when you've got to land the big fights, you know, not in three years' time or not. And, and this is it. This is it for Callum. Um, he's ready to go. He's already been in camp for four or five weeks. And, yeah, he's been working hard behind the scenes and he gets his big chance on December 19th. And will you be going to... I believe it's Texas. They haven't. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, we're looking into it now and, you know, there's all kinds of exemptions for sports events and yeah. so forth. So uh, Texas it's is... important that you're there, no? Of course. Yeah. I mean, if I can... Crowd? Crowd? Yes, in Texas. Yeah. 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 Be, be somewhere between sort of eleven and 15,000. Amazing. Uh, in Texas there. Could be at the Alamo Dome, which we're, we're working on at the moment. So that's no, going to be some event. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get the victory for Callum Smith and return to some kind of normality in 2021. Great to see you, Eddie. I'm well done on the charity work and, and let's try and leverage under what the government yeah, are great. doing to support yeah. our sports. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks.